Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Shin, recorded in November 2022. Shin shares with us her career in learning and development within hospitality in Singapore. All right. Hello, everyone. Noreen here today. I have with me Shin. Shin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me as well, Noreen. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Certainly. Um, So I'll start off with me being a full-bred Singaporean. I've lived most of my life in Singapore until I decided to step out of my comfort zone um, to head out for internships and also for the education. Um, I've been blessed enough to have graduated from EHL Hospitality Business School with a Bachelor of Science in Hospitality Management. Um, And then unknowingly kind of continued my journey um, in hospitality as well as higher education um, to where I am today. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Why did you choose hospitality in the first place? Um, It really just started with taking some holidays with my family. Um, We went on a holiday in um, one of the islands in Indonesia and I had come from home from a day of excursion and saw a birthday cake sitting in the middle of the room. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised and I thought it was arranged by my parents. And when I asked them about it, they actually said that it was the hotel who kindly you know, sprung up the surprise. And for me, that idea was so magical. I wanted to do something similar for, for people moving forward. So I really wanted to be in um, the rooms division in the front office of hotels. And I said, if I were to be the one delivering that memorable guest experience, um, I want to go all out. So I really started from there. Very nice. That's really nice. You know, it's those extra, you know, attention to detail, going that extra step that really makes a wonderful guest experience. And I think that's also part of the reason that I got into it as well as because I want to be part of those memorable experiences that we're creating uh, for guests whenever they're traveling, uh, for whatever reason that may be. Um, But also, I was just thinking like Indonesia, you know, that's definitely something on my bucket list to travel around a bit more. Uh, The only place I've been to is Bali, but it's huge, right? There's so many more places to go and explore. So I hope to be back someday and explore a bit more. Yeah, definitely. I think just in many different cultures, you can really experience the cultural nuances and also just the different types of hospitality that you will receive, um, especially with its local elements. Um, And that's the beauty of being able to to be a global citizen today. Yeah, that's also interesting, the, the different types of hospitality. And that's something that I personally experienced. Like growing up in Asia, you know, the t- hospitality that I received there was different depending on where you went in which country and then moving to Europe then it was slightly different as well so understanding the nuances but it was really in Asia that I learned my love of hospitality as well where I think they just do it really really well Um, something you mentioned earlier you know you decided to step out of your comfort zone 
Uh, can you expand that? And, and what, what do you mean by stepping out of your comfort zone? I think having lived most of my life in Singapore, we are a very politically and economically stable country. Um, I, I always yearn to go out there to explore the world. So by going out on holidays with my family was a little sneak peek to what the world offered. And I think when I really truly thought about my appreciation, my passion for hospitality, I felt like there was so much more I could learn from the other side of the world, which was why um, with my first internship in Four Seasons Resort Seychelles, that was when I met people who were way more international, who really had a global perspective to the world. Um, and they shared with me that, you know, if you would like to pursue hospitality, then there are a few other institutions or avenues you could kind of explore. Um, so that was really when I decided that, oh, I, I need to think much more about my future, not for anybody else, but for myself. So this was when I looked up um, on, you know, different higher education institutions spe specializing in hospitality, knowing that I will be studying something that I truly will love and enjoy. Um, and that led me to going to EHL Hospitality Business School, where they had their campus in uh, Lausanne, Switzerland. Yeah, it's interesting you say EHL Hospitality Business School. That's that's quite new, isn't it? Indeed. So I think with, um, you know, our friends who may know EHL, also known as Eco Atelier de Lausanne, it hailed from 1893 as a school that really was introduced to kind of support the talent pipeline of the hospitality industry, more specifically for hotels and, you know, the FMB businesses of sorts. But I think in today's context, because with all the digitalization, with all that the world has changed, there is still an element of hospitality in terms of soft skills, people skills that still plays a very big part in all that we do. And I think this is also why the school has, in fact, decided to make a change while we are all studying business management as a as a you know a bigger umbrella major, there are still um, that hospitality elements that will still come in play um, in any setting when it comes to business. So that's a little name change for the university, which I think is definitely towards a positive direction. And um, so going back to your first experience in Seychelles, you know that must have been quite a big experience or a new experience for you in compared to Singapore, what were the things that you noticed the most that was different for you? I think it was really testing yourself constantly in terms of your independence, in terms of your tolerance of different cultures, and even just the, the sheer fact that the pace in Singapore, a city as such, versus in an island like Seychelles. So I think these are different things that really made you reflect um, whether, you know, in a place like that, no one's rushing. Everybody's taking so-called, you know, their own sweet time. Whereas I come from a culture where I, I need to get things done like right now. Um, so I think little things like that really also groomed the person I am today to be able to adapt accordingly. If I'm in the Singapore or kind of metropolitan city setting, then I, I know people want things quick. Um, whereas in an island, can I embrace the culture and be kind to myself? In fact, that I don't appear to be, um, you know, in, in the rush, uh, you know, of, of things. Um, so this is just one example, but I think just in general, um, 
the the culture itself um in a way when you go to a new country you are a foreigner going into their culture so you need you really need to be able to understand where they're coming from and in fact for me not knowing that language um to me is is almost a little bit of an embarrassment because um and i cannot blame them for not knowing english for example so i think these little things really just make me step out of my comfort zone and um yeah just with every decision or every um step i take i, I kind of think twice a little bit there yeah i think that was something that i learned um at a very young age cuz we moved around a lot when i was growing up right we were in bangkok hong kong japan bangladesh you know, four very different cultures and languages. So you're absolutely right. You know, we are the ones who had to adapt and be flexible and try and understand, the, you know, the nuances. And yes, I mean, people speak more English now today, I would say. But, you know, nearly 40 years ago, that wasn't the case, right? So, I mean, I was still a child. So, you know, it was perhaps less of an impact for me. But my parents, they both had to, you know, learn the local language, understand how the culture and the languages are so well you know so connected or integrated especially in a place like japan understanding how to um you know respect your 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 clients or your neighbors or friends and you know how those relationships go and how the language then plays plays an important part of it but it definitely shaped me to to the person that I am today, like being adaptable and flexible and just being respectful of other cultures, especially when you're there in that environment and, you know, making changes accordingly as well. And um, so after Seychelles, was that when you went into EHL, right? Yes, exactly. So that was when I learned about the different options of, you know, pursuing a hospitality education. Um, and I went on to study at EHL um, in the Lausanne campus in Switzerland. And that was yet again, you know, pushing myself out of the comfort zone again, because before that, I have never been to Europe, even for travels. So I was very fortunate to already step foot in a country and already begin my education there. Um, there was a lot of getting used to, obviously. So getting used to um, a country that I've never lived before and maybe for Switzerland, having the impressions of it, you know, just around your tasty chocolates, your <laughs> cheese, your beautiful Alps, but that was pretty much it. And now that I think back, I am proud of myself to have taken that brave step, even though I didn't know much about the country. Because if you in a way, if you knew too much, you probably might have hesitated even yeah. more in making that decision. Yeah. No, I remember as well. I mean, even though I, because my grandmother was Swiss, you know, we'd spend most of my summers in Switzerland. So I did have that exposure to Europe, but moving there full time and living there full time was a different experience, right? First of all, with the food, you know, in Asia, it's all like family style, right? <laughs> and here in Europe, it was like, you get your own main course, your own starter, your own dessert. I was like, what is this? And all the cheese and the dairy and the bread. <laughs> My stomach was just like not used to it at all. But then also from the culture perspective, like the uh, more, I guess, the interactions, right? Because in Asian societies are so hierarchical. You know, you call your teachers, sir, madam, mister 
you know, but, and then, and at EHL, it was like, no, you call them by your first name, you know, you have a drink with them at the bar. And I was like, I, uh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so it took me a long time to like get used to it and adapt accordingly. But then I saw how it then impacted me throughout my working career, because then I decided to stay um, in Europe as well. Um, what was that experience like uh, for you um, coming from Singapore to Lausanne for the first time? I think in a way, I knew that Singapore was also sometimes known as the Switzerland of Asia. So I think in, in some ways, there were a lot of similarities in terms of neutrality or efficiency. Um, so I, I was thankful for those things that were, you know, were evident also in Switzerland. Um, but I would say coming from Singapore, we were already a melting pot of, you know, varied cultures. So I think having that background and also just as simple as being open to different cuisines. Today, as I step out of the office, I'm able to, to you know, choose from a myriad of different um, cultures and, you know, um, cuisines as well. So I think going to Switzerland was not so much adapting to the food or adapting to the culture, I think it was very easy to kind of embrace it as it is. Um, if anything, it was just a preference of whether I like that specific cuisine or not. Um, but otherwise, I think living there was, um, well, as cheesy as it may sound, it really was one of the decisions that I would, you know, if I were to rewind time, I would do it again. Despite how maybe challenging it may be as a student, sometimes with your exams and your quizzes, um, but but just knowing that it truly would have shaped who you are today, um, it's a it's a decision that I would make all over again. I would agree. I would definitely go back and do it <laughs> again. <laughs> um, and so then after graduating, you came back to Singapore. Yes. So I think. Um, you know, when you pursue education overseas, there's always that next question of, oh, shall I stay around where I studied or kind of be in that continent or region? But I think I truly felt that Asia was where the economy was flourishing, it was going to grow there. And if anything, I wanted to go back home to, to grow my career. So I chose to come back to Asia um, and to pursue um, another angle of, of hospitality where I thought I was going to go into front office in the rooms division of hotels, I said, why don't I take a step back? Instead of delivering the memorable guest experience to guests directly, I could be impacting the departmental trainers or managers to be able to train their associates to do that. So I went into learning and development um, in the Starwood Hotels and Resorts corporate office here in Singapore. Um, and that, again, also then truly um, allowed me to kind of dig out this undiscovered passion for, for hospitality, which was the side of learning and development, you know, supporting individuals with their professional development needs. And was this development across all departments um, within Starwood? Okay. So it was um, one of the bigger projects that was done was around service culture. So this really resonated very well with me because of my, my belief in hospitality. So the fact that service is not always tangible, 
it is about how you make people feel, right? Because you, you may forget what people say, what they do, but really it's more of what they make you feel um, that will stick around. So I think that played a big part in why I believe that everybody needed to understand that today as you stand in front of a customer or a guest or even a, a client, that you truly mean well for them. You want to have that heart to serve them. So I think that was one project that stood out. Um, there were also other departmental trainings around FMB, uh, front office, rooms, revenue, etc., um, which was definitely supported the very functional training needs as well. Um, so yeah, that was just a gist of um, what I did in uh, back then. And that's interesting, you know, the whole service culture. I guess the question is, is this something that can be taught or is it something that you just have to have within you already? I think in different cultures, everybody have different levels of exposure as well. So when it comes to service culture, there must be an innate, almost desire to want to help, to want to serve. Um, and this could be starting from as simple as in your childhood, where you're happy to help your grandmother carry something from the grocery store to home right, that you see that there is an empty bottle of vinegar at home and you said, oh, let me go out and get that so that grandma won't have to come out with her backache. So little things like that really starts off since young or at a young age. Um, but if not, I guess as we grow along the years that you are willing to even help your friend with homework as well. So I think when it comes to being in a, in a work society where you have your career now, um, the, the only different nuances of service culture that can be taught is really more specific to the company or um, to the style of uh, maybe a specific hotel brand that one works for. But in general, I think this is why they always say if you step into hospitality, that there must be that passion. It takes them a good percentage of it, I believe. Um, because if not, you can just do a nine to five job, do what you need to do and come home. Yeah, I agree. I think it needs to be, you kind of need to have it ingrained. I think it's very hard to teach someone to have that desire to serve, to be helpful, um, unless you have it. I mean, I think you can still demonstrate it in some ways and, you know, you can be at the receiving end of it so that you know what it feels like. I remember someone was saying, um, uh, so uh, CEO of uh, I think Soha House Group at the time, and he was saying that he thinks everyone should do at least one year in hospitality, like you would do military service for one year, <laughs> because yeah. it teaches you such an important life skills as well. That's very hard to learn in any other industry. Um, so I think yeah, I think that's something that's that's very important. I think it's also very undervalued skill set from the hospitality industry possibly um so after starwood uh what did you do um so while i was still you know really invested in others learning and development needs i started to reflect back again on how i kind of chanced upon you know going into hospitality and also ehl hospitality business school um and coincidentally um, as a hospitality institution, they were looking to really grow their brand awareness and presence in Asia. Um, so I never 
um, not as a student, I was still an alumni, but in fact, to work with them. So I think this was also something that came off as a surprise, but also because I already had that innate um, interest in wanting to support um, you know, students, younger um, talents to be able to explore themselves and realize that they have that innate desire to want to help, to want to serve, and perhaps hospitality business could be something that they might want to explore um, as their career in the future. Yeah, and having just been to see the campus um, in, in Singapore, few weeks ago now I think or maybe a month ago I can't remember time flies so quickly I have to say it, it's looking really really nice and it's really great to see the expansion of EHL and the brand and I remember when I when I was at EHL in Lausanne like I didn't understand the the, the power of the brand in some ways right it was only afterwards that I left that I understood how strong it is and how uh, how well connected the, the alumni network is. So that's that's really great to see it now expanding and coming to more parts of the world, but with a physical campus as well. Yeah, definitely. I think when EHL, you know, obviously kind of grew itself in Europe, it was, you know, where, where the roots were. But I think in today's world where everything is changing so quickly, we needed to adapt. We needed to understand also what the others, other parts of the world um, we're up to. So by opening a campus in Singapore for EHL was a very, very proud um, achievement as well because it offered opportunity for our students to be able to come to this side of the world, especially if they've never been, to be amazed really by all the different types of, you know, cultures, cuisines, but even the, the different cultural nuances that we spoke about that could be very unique to a region like Asia. Yeah. Um, and there was something that you said about reflection. It was something um, I was talking about with someone else recently on one of these podcasts and how important it is to actually spend the time to do that and take that moment to reflect. And I feel sometimes we don't, right? Especially in if you're in a kind of city environment, really, it's very, very go, 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 go. You never stop and think. So what motivated you to take that moment to stop and reflect um, and think about, you know, what, you know, what you're doing at the moment and what you want to do next? I think in true honesty, uh, and maybe many of us would agree, is that we ourselves are probably some of the harshest critics to ourselves, right? So I think that that had you know, obviously been one of the highlighted issues, you know, alongside mental health and also mental well-being. Um, for me, I think the, the importance of reflection really came about the fact that you want to be kind to yourself in many ways. So in one way for the fact that only when you give yourself the luxury of time to reflect, then will you be able to spur yourself towards, you know, be it improvements or be kind of giving yourself a pat on the back and say that, oh, I did that. And next time I will do it again because I did it well. So I think reflections like that are important, um, not only for yourself, but maybe also for the business or work setting that you're in. Um, leaders today find themselves so obsessed in the operational work 
and sometimes also managing others that they don't have time to think about the strategy mm-hmm. for that function, department, or company as a whole. So I think little things like that. Mm, reflections also do not have to be a sit down and you know a, a set amount of time. But even my favorite reflection time is as I walk from this office to the toilet. And that, that is little moments where I, ah, I could do this. Mm, let me think about what I did last night. So I think just appreciate the thoughts that are happening in your mind, no matter how busy it is, to always be able to maybe just write down a few notes as well so you don't forget them. Yeah, I'm a big fan of journaling and writing things down. So I have a couple of routines that I try to do. So in the evening, I'll just, you know, take a moment and just, you know, think about, okay, what are the things that I did and things that I'm grateful, but also in the morning when first thing when I wake up, when my mind is clear, then also I try and just write the things that are in my head. And oftentimes I find that if my mind is going at like a hundred times a minute, you know, it's so consumed with thoughts, the moment I write it down, it just helps clear it out. And something that you were saying earlier, you know, the island life versus the city life, you know, I guess the question is, you know, which is better? you know, and do we really need to be rushing, you know, because it causes so much stress in our lives. So, you know, I guess, is there something that we can learn from the island life, you know, what is actually more important? And like you said earlier, taking care of our mental health, and mental well being, I think we don't spend enough time on that either. Yeah, indeed. Um, so what are you doing at EHL now? Like, what is your, I guess, what is your role within the Singapore campus? When I first started with EHL, it was going into undergraduate recruitment, which essentially was encouraging high school students to explore hospitality education as a major. But along the years now, um, probably six plus years that I've been with EHL, I was also exposed to different Um, different areas of hospitality. And where I am right now, I'm currently positioning EHL as a lifelong learning partner. So I identify positive synergies with industry partners, um, especially through promoting some of our graduate programs. And more importantly, one that caters to, you know, the working professionals development needs would be your short courses and online courses. So I think that shift from high school students to now working with working professionals in the Asia Pacific, kind of still navigating their journey of, you know, how hospitality can play a part in their career. That is still something that, uh, you know, is why I enjoy what I do. And that's so important, that continuous learning, right, with the working professionals. Like, I don't think I fully appreciated that, you know, if you're a doctor, for example, you have to continuously learn and stay up to date with all the new you know, advances or research that they're doing. Whereas, you know, we don't maybe pay attention to that in hospitality because you're like, oh, you know, I know how to do this. You know, there's not much changing unless you're working in a digital or a tech space. Um, But also, I think personally, you know, your own development that you need to keep working on, you need to work on it, right? Because it's not just going to happen on its own or say you're looking for a change in your career path and you may need some help to go along the way so I think the more that we can all spend some time on it as well and take that moment I mean it's again it's an opportunity to stop and reflect and make sure that we're looking after ourselves too 
Yeah, definitely. And in fact, we just had a short course happen over the weekend. And one of the participants told me that she thought this short course that she did was the best investment she gave herself. That is probably the kindest words I would ever receive for being in this role today. But also that made me reflect and she reflected as mm. well for the fact that she was being kind to herself because she embraced lifelong learning. She identified that she had this need that she wanted to learn more about a specific topic and she took that brave step ahead to do it. So I think there are many little milestones, in fact, mm. that you know we, we should all be proud of in, in making and you know kind of want to make in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Now that's really great. I love that she said that making that investment in herself. Um yeah. and especially women, right? I mean, I have to take this uh topic now and talk about that, you know, we as women often don't take that time to invest in ourselves. We're always so busy looking after everybody else and in hospitality we're taught to look after everybody else that very rarely do we take the time uh to look after ourselves. So I mean, would you say that you have a good mix of men and women coming to these courses um, for this um, additional learning or have you noticed any other patterns? I think at this moment where we are still exploring the space of short courses and online courses, there is still quite a good balance. It really, again, depends on which region um, they come from or even which types of career. As we all know, some specific careers are more heavy on, you know, certain genders. Um, but I think in general, um, as much as we would like to, you know, focus a little bit more on the diversity, the equity um, and inclusivity side of things, the more important part is to be able to embrace everybody in um, these opportunities of lifelong learning as well. Um, so I would say it's a, it's a good mix for what it is right now. And if we were to stay this way, I'd be more than proud of, uh, of the both genders, in fact. Or, or sorry, if I correct that, not just both genders, but for any gender. Any gender, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, so turning to yourself and, you know, you, you spend a lot of time reflecting on, you know, things that you want to work on and focus on and you've kind of taken this route on on education um for yourself would you say that you you you've grown you've learned more things i mean you know i know things that i know about myself today i didn't know 5 years ago or 10 years ago what are some of your own personal learnings that you've kind of explored over the years i think over the years it has always been a continuous and um journey of improving yourself so i'm i'm a, a big believer of that it really is about wanting to be better not for anybody else again but for yourself um, so I think some of the skills that I really saw um, the shift or the change is assertiveness um, in in the topic of women we are sometimes not seen as assertive we are seen as so-called your emotional beings who are not able to convey a message objectively um, and this is, of course, a generalization that is, is being placed out there, a stigma almost. Um, and I will always remember my manager once telling me that I need to work on that. At that moment, I think it came off as a shock because I never want to be seen as someone who is assertive. Mm. But I think I also understand moving forward in a working society that there is a need to be assertive 
at the appropriate moments because you need to get things going, you need to get a message across more strongly, but still tactfully as well. Um, so I think that is one aspect that will always, always be in my mind, um, but it has never changed the true me because I know that with me, I am a coach by nature. I enjoy personalizing my conversations with people and that doesn't change for the fact that I need to be assertive at some moments as well. Um, so yeah, that's one thing that uh, kind of came up my mind when you asked me this question. Yeah, no, that's a really good, um, good point. And yeah, I think being assertive is something that I've also been trying to work on for several, several years. And it was a conversation that I was having with someone recently is that, you know, women are often seen as being too emotional at work or things like that. And I had a bit of a debate on that. I mean, I think you know, we shouldn't have to suppress who we are, like you were saying, you know, make sure that you don't lose who you are at the end of the day. And if there is emotion that you're feeling, I think we should be all allowed to express our emotions at the same time, depending on the situation. Coming across as being assertive is also important. You don't want to be seen as, you know, what's the word? Um, too arrogant or too, you know, inflexible. But I think coming across as believing in what you're saying, basically, I think, um, and really having that faith in yourself. I think that's, that's how I see assertiveness as well. Yeah. Okay, so looking at the time, I'm going to move on to my final question. And that is who inspires you? I've always never managed to identify one person who inspires me. Again, maybe as cheesy as it sounds, but I really do kind of retrieve a little bit from everybody. So I don't have one answer for you. And even in today's conversation with how, you know, we, we spoke about the different topics, I'm going to return to, you know, being, being able to reflect and be appreciative of who you are as well, Noreen, and even anybody who might come across today. Um, so I hope that doesn't <laughs> penalize me for the fact that I don't have a, a one answer, but I feel that we have so much to learn from every single one person that we encounter or even just walk past and you observe them. Um, so yeah, that's my long answer to, to that. No, I mean, I think the who can be anybody or any, it can be one person, it can be a group of people, like it can be really anybody to to inspire you. And I think that's the important thing is to understand for yourself where you're getting that inspiration. And I've had every possible answer. And for me also, like I think every woman that I speak to on this podcast inspires me in a different way. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me once again, Noreen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality.